right, Rob, I got to be honest with you. You know, when you brought up going to this passion play, I was a little apprehensive, but this has got some pretty kick-ass effects. Yeah, I saw it in the paper and I was like, well, you know, this might be fun. I'm not religious at all, but I don't know. I just thought it would be kind of fun, you know, like, gather with yeah. your fellow humans. <laughs> yeah, and the light show. I mean, this is like really impressive. Like I did not think they would take it this far, but like the the lightning hitting the cross was like pretty kick-ass. I mean, it's pretty metal for like a, a biblical story I'm thinking here. Oh, absolutely. And it, a lot of blood. I mean, I was not expecting that much blood, but there, there there was, yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of blood, like the uh, the amount of audience participation too, like all the stigmatas and, and the uh, crown of thorns up there bleeding. And it's it's pretty cool. This is like, yeah. people are really taking this seriously. I, I got a little bit of that uh, fake blood on me. Like the person next to me was just ran away screaming. And there's like, wow, these people are really, you know, they're good method acting. Definitely they are good. into this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, this town is into this whole passion thing here. I'm 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 really impressed. They really are. They're like uh, th this part of New York is like totally into Jesus. Yeah, that is it's something. Else. Now I don't. I I am the first person to admit that I'm not like totally into everything, but I don't recall a nearly nude man wearing a toga hissing at Christ. <laughs> From the bible is that just something they've thrown in there on the stage or is that like a did someone I, jump up on stage or what's that about i thought there was just some dude really high like pretending to be a gay vampire honestly because he's like he just reminds me of like a gay vampire i guess like a gay walker yeah a gay walker yeah, yeah I, and then um, now see the now there's on it there's like zombies in the audience now too this is like now this is the extreme because there was never Zombies, as far I know, uh, like flesh-eating ones from the Bible. No, um, not that I recall. I mean, you heard about Lazarus and all that, but I, I yeah, but this is like a like George Romero level stuff. Like this, this looks kind of this looks kind of real, Rob. Like that that one like just took a chunk out of that lady next to me here. Yeah. Oh, what? Ow! 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 This. I just got bit. I, this is like that's not this cool, is a dude. Too real for me. Not cool, man. No. Oh we, God, no. This is this is real, Rob. Oh my God, no. I'm taking my souvenir crown of thorns and I'm getting my blanket and getting out of here. Yeah, let's get the hell out, dude. That gay vampire is starting to freak me out too, man. He's no, no, he's really hissing at us. Let's go. Alexandria High School, class of '81. All the students are going to hell except for Andrew. He sent them there. Fear no evil. It'll scare the devil out of you. All right, all you Midnight Mass Creature cast fans out there, thank you once again for rejoining us. This go-round, we are going to be dancing with the devil with Fear No Evil from 1981. I am your co-host, Mark, and I'm joined by the ever-awesome... I am Marcus Ariolus. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm Rob. Uh, but yeah, that sounded like a cool name because we're uh, talking about Satan in a toga, man. Satan and, uh, in a toga. We actually are. Um, this one was my pick. Um, I love this movie so much. It's just so weird. Um, I first, gosh. 
I first found out about this like through like a I read about in a book, but it took me forever to actually see it. And then when I finally got my hands on it and I watched it, it was just so strange that I immediately fell in love with it because my tastes go to the bazaar and it just like checked all the boxes. Um, But now, Rob, (laughs) when did you first encounter Fear No Evil? Oh, last night on Shudder. (laughs) God bless Shudder. (laughs) Shudder, they they do, they come through with like the, the movies that, um, well, okay, I could have rented it on Prime, but I didn't really want to rent it if it's if it's available for free. So mm-hmm. uh, Shutter well, did come through. Gotcha. Good for Shutter. Yeah, yeah. Now I actually own the Blu-ray from Screen Factory because, like, there's certain movies that like I love so much, and they ne- I I fear they'll never see the light of day. So when they do, I'm ecstatic. Um, Without warning, the alien one that we did, that was one of them. Um, Alone in the Dark, the one with uh, Donald Pleasance and Jack Palance, that's another one. Uh, Private Parts uh, from Paul Bartel, that was another one that just came out. So all these weird little fringe movies, when they actually get a decent like Blu-ray or even better 4K release, I'm just like in heaven. And this is one of those that I was so thrilled when I actually got like a decent physical copy of this. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so we will... We'll jump into this, and, and, and along the way, we'll see what, what, what uh, Rob thinks of my pick this week. <laughs> so, if you're okay with it, I was going to just kind of check off our actors and director, because most of them don't have really big filmography things that I'm familiar with, if you're okay with it. Totally fine. That, that's kind of like your thing, man. Yeah. All right. So, our director is Frank Lelogia. He only directed three films. I've uh, witnessed... One other one, which was Lady in White from 1988. Anyone who loves ghost stories, like creepy little films, you need this in your life. It stars Lucas Haas. Um, He was the child actor from Witness. And then later when he got older, he was in um, Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Okay, yeah, but it, I'm telling you guys, if you want like that perfect Halloween fall evening movie, you need the Lady in White in your life. Don't read anything about it. Don't no spoilers, but it is really good. It's PG-13, so it's not like you know gory or anything like that. But it's just a really creepy, atmospheric ghost story. It's amazing. Um, and then our main star um, is Stefan uh, Arngrim. He is uh, playing uh, Andrew Williams, who eventually becomes Lucifer. Oh, we'll we'll spoil everything on every show, but we will definitely spoil this one. Um, He was in the movie Class of 1984 from 1982. Uh, He was also in Strange Days, which has two of my favorite actresses in it, uh, Angela Bassett and Juliette Lewis. And then he was in the god-awful remake of The Fog from 2005 which I don't know if you've seen that one, Rob, or not. Oh, yeah, I did. I did see that one, yeah. Oh, it's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I barely remember it, but yeah, I know that I saw it because it had uh, the guy who played uh, Tom Welling, yeah. The guy Mm -hmm. who played Superman on Smallville, so. And it had one of the supernatural actors in it. Uh, Jared Padalecki or uh, the other, Jensen Ackles. I think Selma Blair was in it. Yeah, like uh, people I liked was in it, but like it was not good at all. 
It must not have been good because I I really can't recall anything that happened. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I I don't. Yeah, I have no problems with remakes, so it's not like I'm just against remakes. But this one, I'm like, it it was this one was unnecessary. It's like they didn't really bring anything new to the table. So I anyway. Um, But what's interesting about this actor, Stefan, is his family. So his mother is an actress and a voice actress in particular. Her her name is Norma McMillan. So she did the voice of Gumby. Damn it. Ooh. Yeah. She also did the voice of Casper the Friendly Ghost. And in the cartoon? Familiar, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Was it in the cartoon? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not the movie. The cartoon. Yeah. The old cartoon. And then she also did the voice of Polly Purebred for all those underdog fans out there, which I loved underdog. Wow. Um, I remember underdog. Yes. Then his sister is Allison Arngrim, who for all of our Little House on the Prairie fans out there, she was Nellie Olson, the really bitchy neighbor of the uh, Little House on the Prairie uh, family. What's also interesting about this gentleman, I think, is his father. Uh, his name was Thor, but he was also uh, a way gay uh, gentleman who happened to be married with children. But I think that's fascinating. The, anyway, the god of acted, thunder. Yeah, right, right. Yes, yeah. He acted as a producer for the for the family members. No uh, oh, producer. No, that's not for agent. Like an agent. I'm sorry, an agent. Oh, an agent. Movie. Okay. Like I thought he yeah, yeah, yeah. he produced the movie or something. No, no. He was he was he was their agent. He acted as their agent. So okay. So now, um, just really quick, in the beginning of the film, there's the first person who's possessed, or the form of Lucifer, mm-hmm. and that was Richard J. Silverton. He's also the makeup guy, so he did do- double duty as the first Lucifer and makeup guy i thought that was kind of fun oh okay so later on there well there's a love interest kind of weird but anyway a love interest who's julie but she's also one of the three archangels gabrielle or gabriel but in this you know she's like female um and that's kathleen Rowe mcallen and she was a big soap actor she was like on every major soap opera uh, at the time, it seemed like she kind um, of has that look, like uh, she yeah. in a daytime TV look. Yeah, um, but no horror films or anything like that. That, like, period. So nothing to recommend there. Then the trio of archangels. The next one is Father Tom Damon, and he was Raphael, and that actor is John Holland. The only two things I really knew him from was when I was little. There was a TV movie that they would play on repeat. It was Peter Pan, a TV version of Peter Pan from 1960. And then he was in the musical uh, film version of My Fair Lady from 1964. Okay. Now, in the film, the third reincarnation of the Archangel Trio, Archangel Trio is uh, uh, Michael, and that is Margaret, the priest's sister, in this reiteration, and that's Elizabeth Hoffman. She was in Silent Night, Deadly Night 3 from 1989, and she was also in Dante's Peak from 1997. Those are the two films I know her from. Was she the old lady in Dante's Peak? Yes. Okay. So I'm not being ageist or anything. This, I believe, was her first movie, so she got into acting at a very later stage in her life. Hmm. 
so she wasn't one of those actresses that started young and just progressed, but she started at a later point uh, in her, her, she started her career at a later point in her life. Then the, the bully of the film, which to me just seems like a, uh, an ethnic John Travolta, like uh, <laughs> Vinnie Barbarino from like, uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh. That's Daniel. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just laughing because I've got so much to say about this person. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> So the actor is Daniel Eden. He did not do a lot. The only thing I really know him from other than this is from St. Elmo's Fire from 1985. And then the other priest in the film, the one who was friends, but then turned against Father Damon is Father da uh, Daly. And that actor is Frank Burney. So one of my favorite made-for-TV horror movies is The Babysitter from 1980, which had Quinn Cummings and Patty Duke and William Shatner. He was in that. He was also in Critters 2, the main course from 1988. And then more recently, he was in Wicked Lake from 2008. And that was about witches. Um, hmm. And that's Frank Burney. That's really the only people I was going to go through at all as far as the cast goes for the film. So anything else you want to add, my friend? <clears throat> um, yeah, like the, uh, the older priest, the one who faced off with Lucifer in the beginning of the film. Yes. For some reason, I got like Angus Scrim vibes from him. Oh, you know what? I think it's that stringy gray hair. It might For me, be, yeah. That's what it was, yeah. And just the kind of like chiseled, hardened features mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I totally agree with you on that. I would almost have to see him in the guise of a woman, though, to be sure. <laughs> you mean, <laughs> you mean... <laughs> In a cemetery seducing yeah. a young man. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot I have to what see I was going to say. I was laughing sure. so hard. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so our film opens up with a picture of the archangel Lucifer. It's a painting and we're getting some kind of backstory as to Lucifer and he was on par with God and uh, he kind of fell from grace and Lucifer is vowing vengeance against him. And um, then we're seeing, um, the narrator is Raphael, who's a priest, and he's chasing down this man uh, who actually turns out to be the builder of this castle. And um, he needs the help from his sister, who is uh, Mike, Michael, uh, another archangel. There's three archangels that are supposed to be assisting in this, but Gabriel is missing from this whole little... Um, fight that's going to be going on oh yeah but eventually the supposed the the threesome the, the the trio of archangels are supposed to be as one in spirit and then the promise will be fulfilled so outside the castle we have our priest he's got this big glorified like staff thing it, it's almost like a uh, like a cross with like a halo around it but like like a glowing halo it's like a real physical uh uh portrayal of a halo okay um, so then the priest is entering the castle and he sees that, you know, nude crucified man. Um, there's a bunch of like dead animals and birds hanging up everywhere, which looked rather convincing. But if you look at the end, it says there's a veterinarian on board. So no, uh, you know, while, while everything was uh filmed, so there was no animals harmed in the making of this, but it looks pretty darn convincing. Oh yeah. Um, when I saw that part, I was like, oh man, I hope they didn't kill any dogs. Yeah, no. Um, and then you get that dead girl that drops down. Yeah, but was she possessed or 
with, with her eyes because they were all white. Yeah. Yeah. I maybe we'll go with that or, you know, I don't. Or like a resurrected zombie or uh, I don't know. There was something weird going on. I still can't figure that part out. Exactly. Exactly. So she kind of grabs our priest and he's got to beat her to like release him and everything. And in the background, you're hearing like, like, like zombie groans, like groans of the dead and everything. Mm -hmm. So he's appearing on towards our shirtless demon and he, the demon is like shrieking. Um, (laughs) He's got these like massive, like eyebrows and these, like teeth and these like fuzzy sideburns. It looks like Doyle from the misfits from 19, <laughs> 1980s or something. Like he's got that haircut and well, I don't no, know. Ahead. It's just like this whole thing gave me just gay vampire vibes. Like I'm picturing you running around hissing at people <laughs> <laughs> just like, I was promised. I was promised. Now, Walter immediately turned to me and I've got to look the actor up because I keep doing this to him. Um, Stephen Jeffries from 976 Evil and Fright Night. He's like, was he busy? Oh, the uh, evil, right? Yeah, evil. Yeah. Okay. I was like, was he busy? Because like, this is a perfect role for that actor. Right. That would have um, been that would have been absolutely perfect for him. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. All right. So. I wrote down he's a filthy tree hugger because he flips around. And he starts hugging onto this giant tree, you know, to avoid the the gaze of the priest and everything. Yeah. Why? Why was he like, like dry humping the tree? I, I don't know. But he's Bernal. And Bernal is the actual gentleman who built the castle. Okay. Um, and then he turns and drops and takes the form of a woman. Right. Thinking that he can uh, trick the priest in a seductive manner, I guess. Yeah, but I'm like, it's a priest. Wouldn't you take the form of a young altar boy? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Okay. Um, and then this is where he says that he will be reborn. And the demon basically self-impales himself on the priest's staff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a euphemism. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, it's not. It's not a euphemism. <laughs> and then we get our title, Fear No Evil. So from that, we get our bright white that fades into um, water. And then we have a bunch of people on land. And what it is, it's upstate New York in 1963. And it's basically a family get together because they're going to be going to the baptism of Andrew Williams. So they're all preparing to go. The baby feels a little warm. They make note of that. They eventually um, end up at the church and Father Daly is going to perform the baptism. But before he can do so, the baby gets like stigmata and it starts pouring out from underneath his little christening gown. And then the baptismal font starts to bubble over with blood. Yeah, I I thought that was really cool. I like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that they went there. It's just so funny. I thought. So now we are seeing the outside of the Williams family home and it's getting more and more like uh, decrepit as time. It's like they're showing a progression of time and you hear the voiceover and his parents are bickering. Um, And the dad is saying that the son's ruining their lives and that he's taking priority out of everything. and He's out to destroy the couple's love. So fast forward now and it's 18 years later. And the mother has made a birthday cake 
for Andrew because it's his 18th birthday. Yeah. Yes. So poor dad, he's like trying to be affectionate towards the mom and she's having none of it. She looks very put upon, very uh, browbeaten and everything. So she sends dad up to Andrew's room to let him know it's time to come down for the cake. I love what they do in the film because it harkens back to reiterations of film versions of Dracula with like shadow play. Yeah. And the, and the moving, um, like the father's shadow. What was, did you see that? Yeah. I don't think that was supposed to be the father's shadow. I think that was Andrew moving past him. Oh, I thought like the father had two shadows and like one of them had a life of its own or something. No, I think that was Andrew because Andrew gets downstairs past the father without the father even seeing him open the door. And there's that part where before that, Andrew's in the bedroom and like the book closes, but Andrew's not sitting at the desk like the shadow closes the book. Oh, yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so um, they're downstairs and they've got the candles lit, but the eight. 18th one has not been lit. So they, uh, Andrew says, you know, I'll, I'll light the one and he goes to light it, but then all of the candles go out and then the lights also go out and then the one is lit, which I thought was a really cool effect. And that must mean like uh, Lucifer has officially entered his body. Exactly. Well, then. For some reason, dad and mom are kind of like, dad's trying to be super helpful. Mom doesn't want any of his help. In the interim, the cake is dropped. Mom freaks out. The The parents get in like an altercation. I I believe he's, she slaps the dad, I think. And then they get in a tussle. And then she falls, causing an iron strategically placed to fall on her head. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And I think the... I thought the father was like, pull yourself together. And he slapped her. Um, but Maybe. I just remember there was a fight. Yeah. There was, there yeah. was like some domestic uh, disturbance there. Yes. And then the dad turns to the son. And he like accuses him. He's like, who are you? Because clearly the dad knows there's something up. Mom's been like enamored with the son, but dad knows there's something clearly wrong. Mm-hmm. So now we are at <laughs> Hollywood's version of a high school. Um, the kids just don't give a shit. The teacher is flirting with the secretary that comes in to drop off some paperwork. Um, the kids have all failed the test. Basically the kids are groovy as heck. Like I want to go back to this time with the feathered hair and like all the like God awful clothing. And this is my time. I love this time so much. Um, that was like a punk rock high right there. Oh man. And you get like, so we meet like some of the pertinent people. There's mm-hmm. Julie, who's kind of like the cute girl that Andrew's kind of enamored with. Uh, there's Tony, um, who's like the really incredibly <laughs> jerky um, John Travolta wannabe. Um, now, then is oh, it j- I, I had to ask this because like in my mind, he looked like a cross between Ralph Macchio and Corey Feldman like a really tall Corey Feldman, but Italian. I get the Ralph Macchio. I don't see the Corey Feldman. Because to me, he's so John Travolta. To me, if I was doing this, I would say John Travolta and Ralph Macchio. It would be the way I would explain it. I don't see the Corey Feldman. I'm not discounting you. I just, my mind doesn't go that way. I think it's the hair and the face. Yeah, sorry about that. I think it's the hair and the face. 
so basically for everyone who's not watched this pretty much it's an 81 film but the looks are way more like 70s so we're talking like feathered hair it, it, the clothing and everything looks way more 70s than 80s to mm-hmm. me yeah it does yeah yeah so tony's like rocking like the open like silk shirt and the really tight pants uh yeah um and then oh and there's a, like a, a like a girl uh gang kind of the bees and they're they're rocking oh, these like satin shirts with the bees yeah on yeah the back of their, yeah and he's got a girlfriend for in all intents and purposes kind of reminds me of like uh andrea martin or gilda radner you know she, she's got yeah, the she does. Hair and yeah. A beret. yeah and he treats her like trash oh man like absolutely to her absolute garbage yeah yeah so anyway the teacher's like berating them and you know you would be fired (laughs) from that position the way he's talking to them and then like tony's like being a total jerk to the teacher making comments about him sleeping with the secretary and everything um and andrew's the only one who's gotten a straight a on the test now real quick I don't know how you feel about this. So I'm just speaking for me. The soundtrack to this is really good. It's got really cool music, I think. It's so like we got like the Boomtown Rats and the Talking Heads and stuff like interspersed throughout it. It's got a mm-hmm. really cool soundtrack. I wonder how much that set the uh, production budget back just to pay for this music. Yeah. Because there's some bigger people on here. I will agree, but it threw me off at first, like especially when I heard the B-52s and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, what what are they doing here? Right, right. Um, now, but, that one song by the Booptown Rats that they're playing, I Don't Like Mondays. Okay. Are you familiar with the song? I'm not familiar with that, no. Oh, okay. Because that's the song based on the girl. I believe she was a, I think she was a middle schooler. And she started shooting elementary kids from her window and killing them. And when they ask her why, she's like, I don't like Mondays. And that's what the song is based on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So um, now out in their parking lot, the school parking lot, which these kids just seem to have free range in my mind. My high school was not like this. I don't can't speak for your experience, but we just didn't get to go to our cars whenever we wanted to and just have free reign of the school. Like these no. kids seem like they're kind of out of control. Yeah, that that's like definitely Hollywood's version of what they think high school is like. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. So the one guy breaks into Tony's car mm-hmm. and then puts the convertible top down, starts listening to music. And and it's great because he was listening to the Sex Pistols Anarchy in the UK. And yes, right yeah. when the right when it goes, I am an antichrist, you you see a shot of uh Andrew. <laughs> yeah, because Andrew's kind of like surveying all this from up above. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and real quick, this high school is actually the director's high school. He used his high school where he went. And they let him do that. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> So anyway, okay, so Tony and I don't know this actress's uh, character's name or anything. So I just Tony and his girlfriend, they run off and they're going to have sex. And I love that she says she likes it quick and dirty, just like I like it. And I'm like, that's whatever. So they're like in a boiler room or something having (laughs) sex. Um, Doesn't she like taunt him like she pulls down her shirt and like shakes her bosom? Yeah. He chases her. Yes. Yeah. 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 
but then he like slaps her so hard her beret comes off he's like really an awful person this yeah he, character. he's not cool i i he does a good job of making you not like this character oh he is horrible he is horrible yeah. So there's also Julie and her boyfriend and they're making out. But earlier when she left class, she left her book behind. So Andrew just like disrupts their makeout session to return her book. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wonder like, if he uh, hid kind of hid her book away from her on purpose so she would forget it and he could bring it to her because he's clearly, you know, after her. Yeah. Well, then she makes that comment. Okay, so I don't, how do I say this? To me, all through the movie, Julie seems just a little bit out of it, I think. Yeah, she, I don't know. It's uh, hard to explain, but she doesn't seem there all the time. Like No, like if you told me that Julie, not the actress, but the character was like high all the time, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I see that. Because she just seems like really aloof. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's part of like what we find out later about the character, but she just seems really like not real quick on the uptake. But anyway, she makes that comment. She's like, I felt him touch me. And it's like, really like woo out there, you know? Yeah. That's um, pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, that's right. So the, oh, back to Tony. Yeah. This is when, okay. So the guy broke into Tony's convertible. They're friends, but he broke in. Well, he's not going to tell Tony he broke in, so he says that the car was left unlocked. Well, Tony automatically jumps to his girlfriend leaving it unlocked and just slaps her for, for, for being careless. I'm like, well, Tony, number one, you could have left it unlocked. And number two, what does slapping her have to do with anything? You know, I, I don't know. He's a, he is a trash person in my mind. Anyway, okay. Oh, okay. So the next scene, we have Margaret, who is, oh, I will say this right now. The plot is kind of convoluted. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think that's why I'm still processing the movie, because there's a bunch of things happening. Yes. And okay. I will say that right off the bat. It's very convoluted. Yeah. Okay. And not a it lot involves, of things get resolved. Like, it, it it involves a lot of like reincarnation and like archangels and things like that. <laughs> okay, so we see this woman who's working in her yard and the postal worker who is Andrew's father comes by and they just have a little chit chat. Well, the woman working is Margaret, who is the sister of the priest, Father Tom mm -hmm. Damon who we saw earlier kill the builder of the castle. Okay, we all we all together now, people? Oh, yeah. Okay. Or were you asking me or were you asking the listeners? I'm kind of asking everybody, but oh, you okay. can answer. Okay. <laughs> now, did you not get like a little flirtation from these two? Yeah, in a way I did. I, I was like, there, there's definitely something afoot here. Like, Yeah, uh, yeah, which never <laughs> went anywhere. No, there's a lot of things in this movie that didn't go anywhere. Like I said, they they just don't resolve themselves. And I was waiting for a resolution. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't like loose ends. Mm -hmm. It's it's very OK. Anyway. OK, so. <laughs> so the dad is kind of bragging about how he's never been really smart, but Andrew's great in school and everything. And then, you know, Margaret makes the comment that parents usually want better for their children. 
and then like doc, uh mr williams just kind of gets on his bike and wanders off like you know and she's like you know maybe i said something wrong and you know it's, she's been 18 years with these people and they just refuse to accept the truth which is kind of just this little ominous statement that just kind of hangs in the air um so now Williams, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, Williams, before he leaves, makes the statement that Father Damon, who was Margaret's brother, was a good priest and he didn't kill anybody. Everybody else killed him. Then that's when we get like the little chanting and there's that flashback. And we learn now that the that Mikael, the archangel, is Margaret now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um and that they had failed the first go round to 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 take care of everything, and that Gabriel is still missing in body. Okay. And now I okay. There's something that I didn't get because is that a flashback of like the guy who looked reminds me of Angus Scrim? Um, was he on his deathbed or like has he already been dead for a long time? And. Like, I, I didn't know, like, whether he just recently died or if he's been dead for, like, since uh, after after Lucifer impaled himself the first time. Um, well, he's been in prison, so I imagine he was probably put to death for murdering that guy. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, because he, okay, and also in the flashback, we see that he gives her this, like, really ratty-ass book, and he tells her to remember the promise. I didn't see that part. Oh, okay, all right. So huh. now we're inside Margaret's home and she's like boohooing about Gabriel and she's longing for help and everything. Um, and then we kind of cut to that really freaky purgatory painting on the wall. So we see that in the upstairs of Andrew's home, his mother is being kept kind of like locked up inside this room and she's wheelchair bound now. And there's cobwebs all over, which I'm like, I don't get that. Clearly, they don't have a maid. But also, does the dad just not have anything to do with her anymore? Like, has Andrew, like, forbidden him to interact with her? Or Yeah, I don't think he lives there anymore. I got the... So he's just left the picture? I Yeah, I think so. I was under the impression that, you know, he's delivering mail on his bike, and he's, like, you know, living his life elsewhere, and it's just kind of Andrew and the mother. Uh, Okay, okay. All right. So he also lights her a cigarette and then like leaves her, which to me in the state she's in, I'm think I thought I really did think we were going to get a scene of the house burning down because I didn't even think she had enough like bodily control of her functions to like put the cigarette out. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't appear so because she was having a hard time, like just sucking air through that cigarette. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So now we are outside the Lawrence Bay Castle, and it's a boat tour. And this is where we get some kind of exposition that is important to know for later on in the film. So the boat tour is explaining that the builder of the castle went mad and that some of the workers went missing. And it's believed that they've been buried on the ground by the builder. He had killed them. Um, and that the uh, a priest had actually killed the builder. And it's being scheduled for demolishment, and they're going to build a golf course over it once it gets knocked down. <laughs> Which I thought then, was funny. Like, why didn't they just build a mall? <laughs> oh, especially back then, it would have totally been a mall. It yeah. would have totally been a mall. Yeah. 
Um, but then we see Andrew kind of off to the side, vowing that uh, the place will live again. And we get that pitch and light effect. Yeah, the, uh, very psychedelic. Like a lot of the use of the lighting in this, I've noticed it, it's almost like rainbow lighting or something. It's really, yes, really yes. psychedelic. I, I don't know if I'm speaking for Rob, but I think it's got some really gay overtones. <laughs> oh, no, I... Well, I will say that Lucifer strikes me as like very extremely gay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's some other things coming up that we'll talk about, but I think there's some oh, really, yeah. really gay overtones in this film. Like when we get to that, I, I'll talk about it because I think yes. I know what you're getting at. But yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. now they're at kind of like a, like a malt shop basically. Cause the one girl, I, I feel badly, the beret girl, Tony's girlfriend is getting an ice cream, but then he asked her, if she wants a ride to school. And I'm like, who gets like ice cream before school? I don't know. I think it's really weird. But anyway, <laughs> um, whatever. Hollywood, Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood. And I, it's like his like really lame apology for like being such a jerk to her, which I, I guarantee you that was not the first nor the last time he'll be shitty to this girl. Yeah. You ever notice um, like when like passive aggressive apologies, it's like, I'm sorry. All right. Just accept it. Okay. I know. Yeah. I, of course she does. And then, yeah. so she climbs in the front and then like his buddy who broke in the car earlier and his girlfriend, who's also a B not, a not, a, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean a B like a, like, a bitch. I mean, like the like B E E, like the insect. That's what the 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 girl gang calls themselves, the bees. Yeah, She's I wonder if they're if they're all if their first names begin with B or something, and that's like how they came up with their name. Because like the curly haired girl, I can't remember her name, but she's like the queen bee. It says that's what I was wondering. Yeah, they're yeah. just like a bunch of busy busy bees or something. I don't know. <laughs> so intercut with this is Julie and her boyfriend who we learn is very intelligent and he's been accepted into uh, Columbia on like a scholarship for like a medical. He wants to be a doctor. Okay. So there we go. Okay. So the cute couple, uh, that's Julie and her guy. They, they head off from her house. Okay. So now we are in the school parking lot and this is where Tony offers Andrew some pot um, and then he makes that really crappy comment about his girlfriend's chest. And then she makes a comment and retort about his impotency. Oh, yeah, because she says that, like, if you smoke pot, it, it'll make you grow tits. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is going to um, come into play later. So we've got to pay attention to that part. Exactly. And also, this is where we get the Ramones Blitzkrieg bop on the soundtrack. Because oh, I yeah, love me yep. some Ramones. <laughs> um, so now we hear the bell ring and we're in the boys' locker room. Really quickly, so I was watching the extras on the Blu-ray, and um, uh, Stefan Arngrim was saying that this scene was scheduled to be shot much later in the film, um, but instead this was the very first scene they shot, so like no one really had a chance to get comfortable with each other, so like none of the actors really like knew each other or anything. Um, he and Tony, uh, the other, the actor that plays Tony, um, had the same flight together. So they knew each other just a little bit, but not very well. The water, something was wrong with the pressure or, and so it never heated up. So he says, if we look blue in the film, that wasn't like makeup or anything. We were freezing. 
Ah, I didn't so see. Any, I didn't notice them looking blue. Yeah. So anyway, I was oh, thinking this, more like shrinkage, if you know what I mean. Oh, dude, total, total shrinkage. <laughs> so anyway, we get like some flashes of dick. We get butt. So I'm okay with all of this. Um, I put thank you shower scene. So I'm going to talk about the shower scene. Then we'll talk about the shower scene. So basically, all the boys pour into the shower scene. Andrew's already in there first. And then Tony starts like taunting him about being sexy. Mm-hmm. And Stefan is trying to ignore, or Stefan is trying to ignore him. Um, and I wrote what the actual Fulci is going on because <laughs> Tony grabs him and like kisses him like flat on the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, I can, okay. I, this might not have happened in everyone's high school. It didn't happen to me, but I knew there, there was like a lot of, uh, latent homosexuality being passed off as bullying um because there would there would be people like that in the, in the mid 90s and they would be oh you you look hot oh come here you come here you nerd give me some of that nerd dick or or you know they're they're talking like that and it's just like you know I never thought about it as a kid but of course I think about it now I'm like yeah I bet you these guys are probably gay now or they're like closeted gays or something they can't deal or they they have they're questioning they can't deal with it but anyway so they kiss and it doesn't uh it's like they're locked together yeah it's not like a a quick kiss it's like it's almost like someone you how do i say it it would be like if someone held their heads together and wouldn't let them go mm -hmm. so this invisible force is holding together and then it's almost like an electric shock forces them apart and they both like fly to the corners of the shower yeah and then Tony's like all pissed and Andrew's like quivering. Like he, he's physically, uh, visibly, physically shaken. He's like quivering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that leads me to believe that he doesn't know like what's happening. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. It reminds me a lot of Carrie. If you're familiar with that film with Sissy Spacek, mm-hmm. um, where he can't control what's going on. He's, this is out of his control. Like you said. Yeah. Um, but this also says way, uh, way more a lot about tony too i believe <laughs> <laughs> well he apparently oh tony okay not the guy who kissed kissed him because i was gonna say the other guy who got him he clearly wasn't aroused <laughs> oh well the shock may have taken care of that too but yeah like i get goading people calling him sexy but then to make the next step where you're going to put your mouth on theirs yeah. in front of everyone else in the locker room yeah that that's just like t- taking yeah. it way too far like, i had a friend who did that and that really? I have quest- I have questions about him. Because <laughs> I also feel that every other guy, no matter if you were like the cool guy, I would think the other guys would kind of turn on you, I would think. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Like, they wouldn't just go along with it. Yeah, I don't think they'd be like, wow, I'll turn him around and then drill him. <laughs> I don't think they would like, proceed like that. But anyway, okay. So like, yeah, crazy. yeah. <laughs> They're like cheering him on from, from, uh, from yeah, the shower. I, just, I don't know. I, I yeah. found that. Okay, anyway. So the next scene is Margaret's going to church to speak with uh, Father Daly. And then we get those two little kids fighting outside and one calls her a witch. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny. I didn't hear that part, but I was wondering why they were practicing wrestling holds out in front of the church. Okay, so I thought that was interesting too. It's it's like the movie's making comments on uh the way that the males interact, I thought. 
Okay, yeah. I just thought it was like the let's throw a bunch of gay stuff in here. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think you're saying one thing, but I'm saying you know in a different way. Oh, but okay. Yeah, it's like like it's like how how males like interact. You know, like yeah, you know, wrestling and fighting and you know bullying and you know, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I just okay. But anyway, so um, she's inside, and Father Daly believes that she's come there for a, you know to hear a confession, but um she's kind of almost there to well number one show him the diary from her brother and then to kind of confront him about turning his back on tom after the killing because uh they were friends they were colleagues but father daly you know believes that he killed a man for no reason what he did was wrong and that margaret saying no that he was lucifer he had to be destroyed he was you know tom was merely an instrument of god's will mm-hmm. um and that basically by doing this father daly betrayed tom by turning you know turning his back on him and not sticking up for him um and tom, father daly's under the assumption that you know tom has actually led her astray as well by believing all this these lies and everything so Father Daly storms off and he says that, you know, he'll pray for her, you know, strength and everything, but she's still very upset. And she looks at a picture of Saint or uh, uh, Raphael, the archangel, and he's holding that same staff that Father Tom had and everything. Oh, yeah. So now it's a misty evening and we are getting a POV shot outside of Julie's house. Um, And then we see that she's in bed with Andrew spooning her. And it's, oh, it's a, it's actually, she had had like a, almost like a weird, like flashback earlier of the same scene as it plays out now. And he's kissing her and he says he wants, uh, you know, come to me. I am the light and everything. And he mm-hmm. leans down for a kiss and he's, you know, giving more of that. I am the light. But then he also reaches behind her and scratches her on his shoulder. Um, and we see his butt, which I didn't necessarily need to see this. And she awakens. <laughs> So now, now again, I feel like this is harkening back to Dracula. He's outside the window, and it seems very much like a scene from Dracula. He, yeah, they're like French doors, and he's like kind of outside. Um, it remind it did up, remind oh, me. Go of ahead. A, I'm sorry. Oh no, that's I. I don't like to interrupt, but it did remind no, me of uh, a vampire movie. <laughs> it kind of reminded me also of uh, Salem's Lot again, another vampire movie. I haven't seen that in so long, so I'd have to watch oh, that again. I love that movie. Um, so she sees her reflection in the mirror and there's a split second where it's actually Margaret's reflection looking back at her in the mirror. Oh yeah. And I thought that was something happening at the same time. Like uh, he marked, he marked her. And so like um, the angel was also marked or something like that. That's what I was thinking, mm-hmm. but it might've well, been just. It was because she is, we find out later, Gabrielle, Gabrielle, Gabriel. Yeah, but who's the the older woman? Is she uh Michael or Mikhail? Yeah, Michael or, or Michael or yeah, how yeah. they they play with the names, which I w- I'm like just it would be uh Michael, Raphael and and Gabriel. But they play with the names in here. I don't know why they do that. Yeah. See, mine would have been like of them. <laughs> I would have been like Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, right, Michelangelo. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they became turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but also what's important is she sees that she really is carrying that scratch. So it wasn't a dream. It really did happen. Mm-hmm. 
much like Rosemary's Baby, where, you know, she does, really did have the scratch. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have the school counselor and he's really excited because Yale, Harvard, Columbia, everyone wants Andrew. Um, but Andrew says he's not really feeling well and he's got to head off. Um, he's kind of apathetic about the whole thing, but the counselor is like super proud of him. So now we get the gym scene, which this totally reminds me of Carrie, too, because they've got all the, 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 the students lined up and everything. Oh, yes. They're doing roll call. But Andrew is late for class, so he's got to do 50 push ups and 50 sit ups <laughs> for being 52 seconds late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and but the coach is friggin crazy. This man is yeah. like on speed or something. He's a <laughs> lunatic. Um he was doing lines of coke before before oh, class clearly began. clearly so they're of course doing one of the games i hate the most because it was always target mark uh dodgeball um and so they're doing the dodgeball thing and then andrew's doing his push-ups uh and the coach is getting more and more crazy he's like screaming them to kill each other basically um and then we get that scene where andrew sits up and he's got these like contacts in so they're like red like the yellow with like black, like almost like reptilian slits. And then they're outlined like in red, I believe. Yeah. Like the Fulci eyes, man. Yeah, totally. Uh, yes. Uh, which he could not see out of, he said. Uh, but anyway, um, so he sits up, we see the eyes. And then at the same time, the coach throws a dodgeball at Julie's boyfriend. And it basically hits him in the chest and kills him. <laughs> yeah, that was one hell of a throw. So what really happened is he had a harness around him and there were 10 crew members on the other side of the bleachers with a hole drilled in the wall and they yanked him really hard and pulled him backwards. It, the, wow. it was like attached to the dodgeball and they pulled him backwards. So 10 that's, men like yanked him into the wall. That still had to hurt. Like, oh yeah, you would think it hurt really bad. Yeah. Which makes me think of the exorcist where they pulled the mom really hard and they actually did hurt. They did injure her. Anyway, okay. So... Then, um, oh, this is the part where, yeah, yeah, so where I wanted to talk about, like, because it, it's clear that he he still doesn't know what's going on. And so he's yeah. visibly shaken at like what just happened. And did I just cause this? Yeah, he's still not aware of these powers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so now we get the funeral and the pallbearer and everything. And Father Daly is there and he gives, you know, the parents the crucifix and everything. And Julie's all upset. And Margaret and Andrew are kind of looking from the sidelines of what's proceeding with as far as the funeral goes. Um, so <clears throat> Margaret comes up and places a rosary on the casket. Um, and then Andrew comes up and places a set of anal beads on the casket. <laughs> um, no, that's a joke. Um, but so Andrew just turns and walks away. <clears throat> so it's now nighttime in the cemetery and we see the tombstone of Rosario de Bonomo, who was the actual person who constructed the castle, who was killed by Father Tom, who was possessed by Lucifer. So Margaret is there in the evening and she says, um, to Lucifer, she makes a promise that, she, that you'll die. And, um, then we see that Andrew is on a swing, which I don't know. Is there a swing in the cemetery? I, you know, I yeah, don't know. I, I found that odd. I was like, are they are they in the same place at the same time? Or is it just like the camera flashing between different areas? I, I didn't yes. know how that was happening. It was very. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Excuse me. 
at the cemetery, she, uh, Margaret is uncovering her brother, Father Tom's headstone. And someone's like, you know, carved murderer in it as well. Um, and she's praying, which kind of provokes Andrew to cause a tree limb to fall on her head and kind of knocks her unconscious. At that same time, Julie sits up in bed and just kind of yells out, uh, Michael or Michael. Yeah. Now, so Margaret's laying there. At first, we're not sure if she's dead or unconscious. She's just unconscious. And it's so very foggy. And then Andrew just kind of walks away. Yeah, he's like, my, my work here is done. Exactly. Now, we're in the bedroom of Julie's house. And she's on the floor scrawling. But she's not really writing anything on the floor. She's just mimicking Father Tom in his cell as he's scribbling in the book that he gave to his sister later. And at first, it's I didn't know flashback. this was a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in prison and he's like writing down, you know, in that book. And Julie's experienced this. Okay. So then the Tom, the Tom, I'm sorry, the guard, the prison guard steps on Tom's fingers. And then Julie reacts as if hers were, you know, being stepped on as well. Mm -hmm. So her family is called the physician and she's in bed with a mild sedative. Um, and then outside, Margaret is visibly shaken from the accident. And she's starting to pump water from a, a pump, a water pump, and, you know, to put on the wound on her head. And now it's nighttime and we see Julie is just heading out of her home. She's got a little bag packed or like a little duffel bag in her purse and she's leaving home. And then we're hearing like from ghost Tom, um, <clears throat> do not fear Gabriel, uh, Gabriel, fo um, follow me. And she's led to Margaret's home and she just walks right in, which I would <laughs> never do this. I don't care if I'm being led by a ghost of a priest. I'm still going to knock. Yeah. And so I, the two, where oh, was that lantern? Like where, where the hell was that lantern? That bonked her on the head? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I think even before this had happened, Julie still would have walked into the lantern. She just seemed so out of it through the whole movie. Yeah, she, she yeah, I don't know either. wasn't it's in just, charge of like her own body. Like she didn't no, know what she was doing. No, not at all. Um, so the two women lock eyes and then she asked, you know, how she came to be. Margaret asked Julie how she came to be there. And she's like, the dream man told me to come. Um, and uh Margaret's trying to figure out, Margaret knows, I think she's trying to figure out what Julie actually knows. And I'm going to say not a lot, but anyway, yeah. um, Julie says she knows only of the man's torment and shame. Yeah. And she's, um, Margaret is being quite forceful now. Yeah. And then she's saying that, you know, God willed you here um, and that you are, um, and Margaret says you are, I'm your mentor and you're going to be my strength. And now it's more, <laughs> Sorry, it's morning and she, she's give Julie breakfast <laughs> and Julie finishes and she's like, I should go now. Which like, don't bother to help clean the dishes <laughs> up. She's just going to eat and leave. Yeah, eat and run. <laughs> which I'm like, that's a total teenager thing to do. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry. <clears throat> but Margaret begs her to stay. And then Julie's like, well, I really should call. And Margaret's like, I, I have no electricity. I have no phone. <laughs> And then Julie automatically jumps to, you've got no radio? <laughs> Which I thought was very funny because, again, teenager. Yeah. Um, and then, like, Julie's kind of, like, expounding from there, and she's thinking out loud, you know, vocalizing her thoughts. And then she's like, well, you know, um, you got no one to bother you or make your life complicated or interesting or no one to love. And this, like, really hits us. 
like a, a sore spot with Margaret. You know, she's like, mm-hmm. she grabs her and drags her to the picture um, of it's Raphael uh, to show a proof of the man who spoke to her. And then, then Margaret says, we're bound together. Um, and you hear that heartbeat. And she says, we're, we are one now, not one, uh, but we're actually three. So this is where we get outside of this like shed thing. Andrew's playing fetch with a dog. Oh yeah. I didn't like this part. And he tosses like a stick inside the shed and the dog is all excited. He runs in to get it. And then you see Andrew has an ax and he closes the door and you hear the dog yelp. Um, Which earlier in the film, we see all these dead animals hanging up and some of them were dogs. Some of them were were, like really just mainly dogs and birds. Mm -hmm. I thought. Um, and so, yes, this is where he's starting that whole thing that we see earlier in the film. Um, no. No, what? He must be he must be recreating what the original guy did, because what we saw earlier in the film was from the first guy, wasn't it? All the dead animals was from the first guy. Oh, yeah, that, that was from that that version of Lucifer. I yep. just figured that. OK, so he's going to probably start doing the same thing that that guy did. OK, sorry. All right, so inside the shed that we see that uh, he's got the little, the, the little, you know, for all intents purposes, dead animal, and he starts like filling a chalice up with the canine's blood, and he drinks it and he like freaks out. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm I'm guessing he went full uh, Lucifer by by this. He's time. getting there exactly. Yeah, he's getting there. Um, <clears throat> so okay, just real quick, if this was happening to you. Were you, would you be having like blackout moments or would you not be like, would you be recalling this, but it'd be like a dim, like, did this really happen? Or was it like a dream? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Cause uh, it doesn't look like from the perspective of the film, it doesn't look like he blacked out during any of this because he's clearly like when he was, you know, his eyes became that thing and like the dodgeball death scene happened. It was like he knew what was going on, but he was like, "Oh shit, what did I just do?" Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, I just it's yeah, I think I think he was like coherent in in there during that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So now we're back at um, the uh, with the priest and Margaret, and she's wanting to talk to him, but he's too busy setting up for his performance of the Passion Play, which <laughs> they do every year. A bunch of churches get together and put this on. Um, is a big to do in the town, and um, there it's even going to be covered on the news. Um, and they've been doing this every summer since 1948. Um, and Margaret's demanding the play be canceled, and the priest uh, is not Father Daly's not having any of this. That's just crazy talk. Much yeah. like canceling the uh things in Amityville for Jaws, and they're like, no, that shark's not going to turn us down. <laughs> so, um, it's uh. You see all the people kind of like piling onto the beach and they got little blankets and everything. And Jesus shows up. <laughs> and the people re- uh, actually refer to him as Jesus. Yeah. And the little kids all like run and circle him. I, the whole <laughs> thing is quite sacrilegious <laughs> and funny to me. Um, and then you, this is where you get the psycho killer playing by the talking heads. Um, and then, oh, Tony shows up as well. Uh, and uh, he's got a gun in the glove box. Yeah. And, and what, he points what, what, it at his girlfriend's head and right. pulls the trigger. 
what was the purpose of this whole, like all of this stuff? Is just to make us hate him even more? I think so. Yeah, but he's not done because then he puts the gun up between her legs and like into her neither region. And he tells her not to cough. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> why? Why this woman's self-esteem? She yeah. needs something. So okay, so now we're at the bar, and poor Mr. Williams, Andrew's father is there drunk and he's telling everyone that his son is the devil. And the other inebriate father next to him is saying that, no, his son is the devil because he loaned him his 79 grand free and he totaled it. <laughs> um, and, and he's like, just tell him to go to hell. And then Mr. Williams like flips out and he like wrecks the jukebox and everything. <clears throat> so he's like having his own issues. Poor, poor Mr. Williams. Cause he seems like a nice guy. So now we're at the restaurant with, you know, Tony, his girlfriend and their gang and everything. And Tony comes spilling out of the bathroom, basically punching this other guy because the other guy had peed on his shoes because it was so dark in the bathroom. He couldn't see what was going on. <laughs> so, oh, in man, order, I'm telling you. Yeah. And uh, anyway, in order to uh, 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 avoid any other disturbances, the group just leaves and they're going to head to the castle. Mm hmm. And so uh, no one thought this was a bad idea at any point. Like when everybody's drunk and like, Hey, let's get on a boat and go to, right. a, go to a castle. Yeah. Perfectly fine idea. Um, so now the thunderstorms rolling in, we get that shot of the, like all the statuary. There's like a headless Jesus holding an upside down cross. Um, there's candlelight everywhere because Andrew's there. He's setting things up. He's got this little chest pentagram on, you know, on his chest now. Yeah. And all the dead workers that the tour guide had mentioned from earlier are rising up out of the ground. And did you really? notice? Oh, that, go ahead. Did you notice also that the headless Jesus statue had a, like a cow or a dog's head or something on it? Later, yes. It had like a giant, like, yeah, like almost like a horse head or something. But no, it had horns, didn't it? So like a bull head and it turned. Oh, I didn't see the horns. I just, it looked like an animal skull. That's all I no, know. I think it was a horse skull. I think it was a horse skull. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So real quick, the director did not want zombies in this at all. But his brother, I guess, was an effects guy and he could do zombies. So he begged them to have zombies in this because zombies were big at the time. So that's how we ended up with zombies in the film. Okay. Oh, okay. So anyway, so um, so all this is transpiring, and now we're back at the Passion Play, and so we have Jesus and the apostles planning their trek and everything, and the audience is listening intently. And Jesus, oh, and Jesus says, "Dark as night, bright as day." You know, believe in hope is what you need to have. So when they were filming this, something happened, and a lot of the voices weren't recorded. So the director is actually, that's not the actor's voice you're hearing. That's actually Frank Logia's voice is Jesus. Is that why it sounds so echoey in certain parts? Maybe. And Stefan Arngrim had to do some other voices in the film as well, because there was just no vocals recorded. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. So Margaret and Julie get the staff that was used earlier to kill Lucifer. And uh, they're saying that they need to be strong and remember the promise. As they're doing this, all the teens are descending on the wharf and they basically confiscate a boat from an already inebriated boat owner. Mm -hmm. And they take off towards the castle. 
So at the castle now, Lucifer, Andrew, is telling um, basically all the zombie workers are like listening to him, give his commands and everything. And all of the zombies were actually the crew members of the film. So the crew members did double as zombies. Oh, okay. So the play is proceeding. Um, it's the uh, Last Supper with the dialogue and everything. And Julie and Margaret need a boat, but they can't get one from the inebriated boat owner. So we get more scenes of Lucifer growling, and he sends the zombies off to do his bidding. Back on the dock, the owner recognizes Julie as the missing girl, and he's making a phone call. You with me? I'm with you. Yep. Okay. Back at the Williams home, out like all the all the feces is hitting the fan. Back at the Williams home, Dad. Uh, like blows the attic door in the bedroom in and shoots his wife in the head. Yeah. What was the point of that? Like it was that mercy or like what the hell was going on there? I think it's probably because of what they did. They brought this into the world. Oh, okay. So that's what I think. You think he ended himself like shortly there? Oh yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I think. Um, So at the dock, the police drag Julie off, which really hinders Margaret's plan because Julie is the, the archangel that needs to make all this go down. Mm-hmm. Margaret's pleading with them, but the, to no avail. Back at the castle, um, there's that watery like cistern scene with the two couples. Yeah, what, why go skinny dipping in out. that? Skinny dipping, all right. Oh. And then, of course, they're so into it that they don't see the one zombie get in the water with them or the other ones come pouring up out of the over the windows into the cistern with them. Right. That, that must have been some really rancid water. <laughs> it looked disgusting. Yeah. yeah. It looked disgusting. But of course we get man butt as he climbs up the ladder. So I was okay with that. <laughs> um, and they meet their demise. And then we see that the zombies are uh, sending on both on the rest of the teens that are like on the island as well. Yeah. They're just kind of after everyone. All hell's breaking yeah. loose. All hell's all hell is definitely breaking loose. So at back at the play, the thunder's rolling in, and then Jesus is really getting the treatment um, before a shocked audience. His, his uh, crown of thorns is starting to bleed. Mm-hmm. No one is doing this, but he is actually being nailed to the cross. So his like wrists are bleeding and everything. The uh, cut in his side opens up and starts bleeding. So he like, for all intents and purposes, everything that was written in the Bible that happened to Jesus is happening to this actor in front of all the people sitting there watching it. They are also receiving stigmatas and, you know, crowns of thorn bleeding and everything. So, yeah, um, I, I actually thought the sky was raining blood at first, but then I saw that it was coming from their heads and not from above. So I was like, Oh, okay. They're just bleeding. All right. 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 And no one could get Jesus down. And I love that the robber, like on the crucifix next to him is like, <laughs> Get me down, get me down. <laughs> um, and like everyone's freaking out. The police arrive. Um, and luckily they have Margaret and Julie in the back seat. Um, so Margaret spies Jesus, and this is where she says, We three are one, and this is the eve of the second coming. And um, the lightning strikes the cross, and Julie and Margaret take off in the cop car. Father Daly is also visibly shaking because this is not at all how he planned this play to. To, to go down. <laughs> I can imagine not. No. Mm-mm. So back at the castle, uh, there's another couple attack and we've got, this is where like 
Tony and his girlfriend are at the bottom of that stairwell and there's like leaves everywhere. Oh and yeah. He, yeah. And yeah. And he's promising that nothing's going to happen to her. And of course the hand grabs her ankle. No, he's like, uh, no one will lay a hand on you. I've got you or whatever. And so this zombie hand grabs her ankle and he just takes off running and leaves. Yeah. I was like, what a, what a douche. Yeah. He's horrible. So, um, the two women get to the uh, boat and they're heading off to the castle and they're hearing all these distressed radio calls and everything. So this is where Tony and a, the actress, I believe her name was Becky, but a second um, girl in the satin bee jacket head off to this other like part of the castle, which didn't look safe at all because there were so many open windows. And I think there's just another open door. And I mean, it was not the place I would choose to hide at all. No, I think... It looked almost like uh, like a lighthouse jetty or something like that. It was really weird because there was a lot of openings, a lot yeah, of stonework and everything. No, you're not safe there whatsoever. They, they should have just stayed outside, to yeah. be honest with you. It was not going to provide any kind of shelter from anything. No, um, no definitely nothing. not. No, because um, the whole thing was covered with leaves anyway. So, like, you know that they just blew in, any, whatever. So they're in there. <laughs> she's all distraught. And then Way Gay Lucifer shows up laughing. Um, and then <laughs> this is where, um, doesn't Tony have a knife? Uh, or a gun? I, he's got something. I, I can't remember, but he tries he's got to. A, no, he's got a knife. That's right. They, they got a knife and there's a tussle and everything. Yeah. And there's also a standing mirror in the room for some reason. So they have their tussle and then they kiss. <laughs> And then Tony turns and looks in the mirror and rips his shirt open to reveal that he actually has female breath. He's got boobs. <laughs> I, I wonder whose boobs they used for that shot. I don't know. But then he screams, fuck you, and starts stabbing himself in the chest. Yeah, I, I actually thought he was going to stab himself in the genitals. It's just so weird. Yeah, it's, it is. I, I don't. So what are they saying? Is it? Huh. Is he afraid of his feminine side? Yeah, I don't know. He's not even gay anymore because he's got female parts. Right. And honestly, I couldn't figure that part. I was like, why? Why is this here? What's the reason? Like, is it because that his girlfriend had made the comment that if you smoke too much weed, you'll grow boobs? Um, Yeah. Is that is it just that? Yeah. You know, and they kissed again. No, he wasn't the one who kissed him the first time, though, right? It was that other dude. No. Oh, that was that was him. It was Tony and Andrew in the shower, and then Andrew became Lucifer. So it's Andrew as Lucifer kissing Tony again. Oh, see, I thought it was one of his one of his lackeys that did like the kissing in the shower. No, no, it's been Tony all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I was confused. I was like, so there's. More than one guy kissing, like guy on guy action. No, it's been here. Tony. It's been Tony the whole time. So that's what I'm saying is okay. like a comment on his, like he's confused with his sexuality. I, I it, think it might be that then now that you pointed that out, because I thought it was two different guys. Okay. And I, and I'm not making, I'm really not making fun of anything, but I, I feel that the Lucifer character, well, even Andrew seems a little uh, he, he he's maybe like asexual, but then the Lucifer yeah. character seems super uh, a feminine. Like, yeah, Lucifer kind of is like gay. super. Yeah, he's very flamboyant. He's like 
throughout this movie, like I just got the impressions of like a really a flaming gay vampire. <laughs> but then know? he's also really into Julie, which I, that I found hard to, to to swallow. I think Andrew is into Julie, whereas uh, Lucifer is just like out to fuck shit up. Yeah, well, because then Lucifer turns and grabs the bee girl and carries her away into the mist. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. So then uh, the two women, Margaret, our archangels, Margaret and Julie, have made it to the uh, castle grounds. And up on the altar, Andrew has uh, given uh, Becky, uh, I'm sorry, Becky's the actress, has given the bee girl this like little bloody kiss and everything. Mm. And he opens her blouse, but they don't really show anything. And Margaret screams Lucifer, and he plunges the dagger into the poor girl's chest. And we get, now, this has got some of the cheesiest light effects in a film that I've seen in a long time. Like, oh, they are really yeah. cheesy light yep. effects. Absolutely. So, uh, the staff gives, shoots forth all these like cheesy lights of lighting effects, and that forces him to flee into the castle, and the two women are in hot pursuit. <laughs> and all the zo- zombies start to pour in like through the windows because the windows are just more like openings like there's no glass yeah yeah there's, there's just, not even windows there no there's no window pane um and this is ro- when i wrote down what the fuck is he wearing because it really is just like it's <laughs> not even it? really a toga it's just like someone took like uh was fabric like, yeah like tied a, it around his waist yeah like it's a black see-through, see-through thing yeah, it's it's like chiffon see through, and he's just tied. It's, it's almost like like Lucifer ran from his house, like ran from Andrew's house, and on the way out, he's like, <laughs> "Oh, I can't go out buck naked. I'll just tear this curtain down real quick." <laughs> yes, and it's so ridiculous because he's acting like the same, the like the Lucifer from the beginning. Uh, yeah, you know, screaming and running through the castle. <laughs> yeah, and just like a. <laughs> it seems like he's got no plan whatsoever yeah absolutely he's just doing shit (laughs) and that light uh it looked like a ray of sunlight with dust particles in inside yes yeah Yeah. or like uh like on all the like ghost shows they make orbs they call them orbs oh yeah yeah that too yeah he was surrounded by orbs yeah which is just dust but yeah okay so anyway yeah like what the fuck is he wearing so he runs to the same tree where the other lucifer perished before and um He's kind of like facing the tree and then like um, Margaret and uh, Julie show up and they address him and everything. And they're trying to get him to say the Lord's prayer. He can't quite finish it because when they get to, you know, the father part, he's like, not thy father. Yeah. yeah. And then Margaret places his hand on her bosom and then they start to pray. Um, But he can't get the deliver us from evil part because he makes evil deliver us. Um, And then he says that forever and ever I was promised. And he's, just can't quite do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he goes to touch the, the the staff and he pulls back and he's got like that upside down cross in his palm. Yeah, it looked like it was burnt there. Yeah, and then he smacks Margaret to the floor, knocks her down. So now it's uh, the... Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. This is where he takes the form of Julie's dead boyfriend. And he's begging Julie not to mess with him because he's hurting. He says, you're hurting me. Stop this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Margaret screams that he's deceiving you. The boy is dead. 
and then the he's still in the form of the the boyfriend. He starts to choke and kill Margaret, and he's starting to look more and more demonic now, and he's pretty much naked. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. This yeah. is when Julie goes for the glowing staff, and um, she says that he is light, and Lucifer growls. And the staff shoots upward and then like lands and plants itself into the ground. And then we see this like overlay thing where like three people start to become one angel and this like really shitty effect. Oh yeah. That's I yeah. I don't know. There, there was a lot of bad choices made there. And then it's like, you know, behold the behold the promise. And then uh the pentagram starts to like heartbeat and Lucifer whines about the promise. Yeah. And there's like, a whole like light show that looks pretty much like Disney had something to do with it. Yeah. Like, what was with the red laser beam? The pew, yeah. pew. Yeah. It really did look very Disney to me. It's yeah. like if Disney did a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just hear crickets and then it fades to black and that's the end of the food film. <laughs> and I got to ask you. Okay. So apparently there were two promises in this film, uh, but I don't know what either of them were. I Well, what? Okay. So wasn't the, Cause was, was the I, I think you've got to be up on your religious promise because like wasn't oh. Lucifer supposed to be like on par with God? No, he and, like he tried to make himself like that, but he was never promised that. Well, maybe it was one of those things where like you know you ask your parents, they're like, "We'll see." <laughs> so Lucifer's like, "Can I be just like you, God?" And God's like, "We'll see." So maybe Lucifer's maybe like, later. You promise me. <laughs> promise yeah <laughs> and then and the, i think like, the other one was ice cream before school ice cream yeah but what were the archangels promised then like because they had to fulfill their promise was it was their promise to um oh i think the promise was to bring him down oh okay yeah the destruction of lucifer all right gotcha oh to bring about like the end of time or something right okay no, honestly, I don't know. I just was no. I'll say okay because I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure on that one either. So I'll say okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, because they were talking about the end times, like they were saying, like this last in this incarnation will be his last as well as their last, um, because oh, that makes sense. So if they get rid of him, they don't have to do this ever again. Yeah, but why did they have to do it again? Because didn't Father Tom kill him before? Uh, no, the father didn't do that because Lucifer impaled himself. Oh, so they have to be the one to do it. Doesn't count if Lucifer does it. Maybe, yeah, maybe the three have to become one. Uh, it's in like order. the Spice Girl song <laughs> to become one. I'm just thinking of two of hearts. Oh, Stacy, that's one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, um, gotcha. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, it just there's a lot of things that didn't make sense in this movie, and I'm still trying to like figure it out. Well, that might be it. Maybe that does make sense. And so the they see because Gabriel was missing. I don't know where or why they didn't show up. So it wasn't the three together. So that promise was not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So this go around. I guess the three were together because you know Father Tom's spirit showed up at the end when that all that mat stuff was going on. Yeah. So that part of the promise was fulfilled. So uh -huh. even if the angels are not incarnated because the father Thomas had already passed. So the angel, the spirit of the angel or whatever went back into the ether and they were just waiting for the, the combined forces of Gabriel. The, yeah. 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 
So now I will say this. If Gabriel has always been Julie, you never want to wait on Julie for shit. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh, that was, oh, I'm so sorry. It took the entirety of like 18 years plus the entirety of that film for it to come yeah, to fruition. For her to figure out what she needed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and meanwhile, this lady's getting older and older and she's like, come on, where the hell are you? I can't <laughs> wait forever, Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. So having said all of this, did you enjoy it at all? I did. Like, I'm still unpacking a lot of things from this film. I would say it's, uh, I wouldn't count it among my favorites, but I'm all the richer for having seen it. Okay. Would you recommend anyone at all to watch it? I would. Yeah. Because it's not, it's confusing. Well, it was confusing for me anyway, but I mean, I still think you should give it a go and come to your own conclusions. It's not like absolutely horrible, worst movie ever. It's just there's a lot of things that go on there. And it's like, I don't know what's going on now. I'm not discounting what you say. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you watched it again, if some of it would make more sense because you have the relationships down. Because it really is very convoluted. You've got all these people. Who are like, you know, not only are they who they are, but they're also an archangel, but they also have a relationship with this person right, and that right. person. And yeah. So having experienced it once, if you went back and I'm not saying you have to, but if you went back and watched it again, I wonder if some of that would be uh, alleviated. I'm sure it would. Yeah, I'm sure I wouldn't be as confused as having seen it. Be like, oh, I get it now. I know why they did this. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah. cause you know, first time watching something through where it's like, especially if everything is very convoluted, you're not gonna, you're not going to get all of the, you know, all the finer details of the movie and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this one really is very, um, it is <laughs> convoluted. I can't think of another word. Yeah. It really is like. I think there almost could have been a more simplified way to tell the story. Probably. And with the characters, like there's so much stuff going on and certain parts didn't need to be in for like character development, like with Tony, his parts. It's like, okay, you could have established that he was a jerk with just like maybe one or two scenes. Um, Oh no, he is a good, (laughs) we are going to make absolutely sure that you know that he is Phil. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then like w- when he gets what's coming to him in the end, I guess like, okay, w- we see the payoff here. Maybe. Well, and what's really interesting is what he, like you said, he gets what's coming to him in the end. It's mm-hmm. self-inflicted. Yeah. But like, well, the boobs weren't. No, but like his choice to deal with that. Oh I mean, yeah. 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 Um, so I love this thing because of its goofiness. And it's, it really is so gay. Like, I don't know if they set out to do that or what the intent was, but you don't, especially back in the eighties, you didn't get a lot of like really overtly gay films like this. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. I I love that about it. And I love it for it. Um, Right. And from the very beginning, like it just, the whole, the vibe felt extremely gay, uh, especially with Lucifer acting like uh, just a gay vampire, basically. Well, and it's got like everything thrown into it 
and nothing really is fleshed out. You know, mm. you've got zombies that really don't quite do a whole lot for zombies. Right, you, right. You know what I mean? You've got the son of, not the son of Satan. It's like he's Satan himself pretty much, but he's not really all that bad if you think about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's like they're like, oh, you know what? Uh, high school horror is really big. Let's do that. And, you know, demonic horror is really big. Let's do that. And like I said earlier, zombie films are big. So let's get some zombies in there. And there's just all this stuff going on. And it doesn't quite gel, but it's just weird enough for me to love it. Yeah, it's it's quite bizarre. Yeah, it's just so strange. Um, And I, honest to God, would recommend this to anyone. This is one of those movies that I bring up all the time to people. I'm like, you just got to see it. It's just so weird. Uh, (laughs) I love this movie. Um, I love the tagline. Uh, It's Alexandria High, class of 81. All the students are going to hell except Andrew. He sent them there. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I didn't even see that. That That's cool. I love it. I love it. Oh, and also, okay. <clears throat> so more, not my high school experience, but my, see, my elementary was K through eight. So my, that experience was hellacious. So any film where the, uh, person picked upon gets their comeuppance against everyone. That's my kind of movie. And so this one, I really did love, like I, I would have been the one wrapped in chiffon running around shrieking and making it <laughs> a living hell. Um, and you see, so if I really was, appeal for me. if I was going to do a recasting, I would uh, recast you as, as the role of Lucifer. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I would have been way more vicious. Like, this guy just, he just screamed and ran around, you know, I'm like, well, you're not terrifying really at all. Um, but yeah, but I still would have dressed the same because I'm all for public nudity. Um, I probably just would have had a chiffon scarf around my neck, to be honest with you. And maybe a black belt on, but that's it. And you're just um, hissing at people. Yeah, just hissing. Yeah. I would have had dental work done because that mouthful of fangs was pretty frightening. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I love this one. It's uh, that's why I like doing this show because not only do you talk about films everyone knows, I actually like talking about films that probably no one's heard of or very few have heard of. Uh, I just want people to experience this for the sheer weirdness of it. Mm-hmm. It's just so strange. <laughs> it was definitely one hell of a wild ride. I'll give you that. Now, did you feel that it drug or did it move it along a pretty good clip for you? Uh, no, it didn't drag. It was just. Uh, much like um, Galaxy of Terror, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a drag out film. It just, I half the time, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Things were moving so fast and there was just like, it was kind of chaos, really. Chaos is a good way to explain because basically that's what Lucifer would do. He would just evoke chaos um, and <laughs> yeah. scream apparently a lot. But yeah, uh, it's not one of those films that you're going to sit there and be looking at your watch, I don't think. No, no, you're you're gonna be you're going to be actively trying to figure out like what what reason does this what reason does this person or being have and you know why is this guy such an ass you know that kind of stuff um, right right so you're you're not gonna be bored you're going to be like wondering things yeah well thank you for doing this for me I do appreciate that it's my pleasure it's I always enjoy like watching films that I haven't seen especially like. If they're on the bizarre side too, uh-huh. it's this just, one was. it's really fun. <laughs> it's like, it's still, it messes with my head because I'm trying to figure it out, but it still doesn't take away the aspect of, you know, it being fun. Cool. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. At least someone enjoyed it. Um, 
cut to me sitting here just wearing that chiffon. Anyway, <laughs> um, so now if I am correct, our next go round is going to be Reanimator from 1985. Oh yeah, that should be a fun one. Getting back into the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, Jeffrey Combs type stuff. Mm-hmm. Barbara Crampton. Oh yeah, Barbara Crampton. Mm-hmm. And this one's your pick. Yep, that's my pick. Yes. So um, if you would like to get a hold of us through Instagram, I am always over at uh, the Midnight Mass Creature Cast account, and you can get a hold of me there. That's right. And you can send us an email at mmccpod at gmail.com for uh, whatever you may require, I guess. I don't know. Yes. And uh, as always, we thank you for joining us because the more the scarier. That's right. Till next time, we hope you stay spooky. Mm-hmm.